Listener Production. You are listening to episode 156 of the Howie Games Part B featuring Alex Rant. Don't forget to check out Alex's amazing school at theacademy.com.au. Please continue. There was the, the, so much of the discussion after you all won the premiership, which we'll speak about, was this, I might not have the right term, but emotional vulnerability, sharing your true self with your teammates. As a very private man, how did you go with that process? Um, so the, the idea mm. was to, to stand in front of the group, was it, and tell the group things about yourself? Was that the gist of it? Yeah. So like everyone pretty much knows it was like a, it was the Triple H. So it was uh, a guy called Shane McCurry um, who was our sort of leadership uh, coach at the time and just – with all these things, like I think everyone, every business, every football club has done leadership exercise and it's always the amount you put into it is what you get out of it. Um, so yes. this one was about uh, who's your hero, um, what's the greatest hardship you face in your life and what's the greatest highlight. And usually like your hardship and highlight are relative, like they're quite linked. Um, and so, yeah, we did that as a footy club, but it, Brandon Ellis was the first one to do it. Um, and it was it was up in Cairns, I think it was. Um, and he just just floored everyone. Like his, his and, and I think because so Koch teed him up to do it, and Koch sort of helped him and worked through it with him, and and supported him through it. So it wasn't his issues just sort of like hanging him out to dry. Uh, but and Brando is a very good leader in his own right as well. But it just set such an amazing scene for everyone else to be like, I've got to step up now too. Like if he's he's shared that with us and trusted us with that, then I need to do the same. But in answer to your question, how did I go as a private person sharing that kind of stuff? Um, my natural inclination is to believe the best and hope the best. So I'm open to sharing. But over time, I've probably become more private and more um, defensive just because of stuff that's happened through footy and through life. Um, and it's just probably part of getting older as well. Like, you know, you, as a as a kid, you're starry-eyed and hopeful and everyone mm. wants to be an astronaut and a fireman and all that kind of stuff. And then over time, the world beats your hopefulness out of you. Um, mm. So maybe I would still be quite an open person if it wasn't for football. I don't know. But um, I, I, sh- I shared. I was quite vulnerable. Everyone, everyone shared in, a, in, a, in an open way, but I, I trusted that it stayed there. And does it make... On Saturday afternoon, a better football team? Uh, does it make a better football team? On its own, no. Like, you can be as vulnerable as you want and you can cry in front of each other and you can... But if you don't know how to play football, mm. if you don't know system, what it lends itself to is humility. That's what I think vulnerability links to performance. So you need to have humility that Camden McIntosh is not going to lose his spot if he gets five touches for running his patterns and doing his role when the next week he could get 25. That He's he's humble enough to do his role, not go outside it, knowing full well that he's safe, that disposals and um, game impact from a statistical point of view isn't going to be high. So where Dan Butler is not going to lose his game uh, or his position in the side hmm. by not kicking any goals because 
his role is to just put pressure on. If goals come as a result, fantastic. Which is probably as fans and more so the media, that's probably what we don't understand then don't get right because all of a sudden we'll be talking on Sunday and we've got to talk for two and a half hours about the football. Geez, Butler hasn't kicked a goal for three weeks. Mm. Or oh, McIntosh only had six touches the last few weeks. That's where there's a massive disconnect between us talking about it and you inside the four walls as we hear that expression living it, mm. isn't there? Yeah. Massive disconnect. Yeah, and that's that's the the special part about being part of a football club is that not everyone knows that. And 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 that's the challenge of a leadership group to keep that noise out. Is and to just like that's what everyone wants to believe, but this is what we believe. And and making it a regular behavior of rewarding those smaller things, the intangibles, that's what makes successful footy clubs. So talk, talking about keeping the noise out, I was running through how many games you won. We'd got to 2012 with 10 wins, 2013, 15 wins, elimination final versus the Blues. The Tigers are coming. It's the Tigers. I remember this game. It's all about the Tigers. You lose that game. I think that was when Juddy turned it on, didn't he? Yeah. Chris Judd turned it on. Wait comes again. Wait. Look away, hand pass to Judd. This would be fitting. This would be fitting. But 2014 was going to be the Tigers. Right out. Finals, away we go. 2014, 12 wins. 2016, eight wins. So at this stage, coach is under the pump. People are calling to sack the coach. How are you keeping the external noise out in 2016 to keep the club moving forward? The coach has to keep his job. Mm. Next year, you won the premiership. So whatever you did, Richmond supporters will be saying, thank heavens for what you did. Mm. But how'd you do it? Do you remember back to that time? Mm. There was a lot of negativity because like the Tigers are coming. Oh, hang on. Mm. Oh, they're going back down again. Here's another ninth place finish. Yeah. It's, um, I think it probably goes back to the, the central, like it goes back to a character piece more than a skill set piece. Mm. Um, I was having a, another discussion with with someone pretty high up at another at another football club not Richmond about um uh change in authority at footy clubs and i said to him that it's very rare like everyone has opinions and 90% of them are probably right but it's not the opinion that is the the difference it's the manifestation of that in a in a, t- a piece of tangible evidence. So I could say we need to improve scoring. So what does that look like and how do I train the football club to improve their scoring? Or I want to decrease the opposition scoring. How do I do that? How- so it's not about having more heads just talking crap around a table. Mm-hmm. So going back to answering your question about what was the difference, it was the humility and the, the character of Jack Trent Dimmer and other senior players, Shane Edwards, to be able to say, we don't think change is going to be beneficial here. Like we know we've got something here. It's proved by the last, like there's something here. We just don't know what it is yet. So why why are we just cutting things? Because we don't know what we don't know yet. And, and so I think these are some other possible endings of that story at, at 2016. Jack gets fed up with the the way Koch is leading. 
He tries to usurp the throne. I want to be the captain. Kicks up a, a big stink. Gets captaincy. Nothing changes. Uh, hmm. Dimmer kicks all his coaches out, points the finger and says, it's all your guys' fault. You're not doing your jobs. Uh, hires new people. The same result happens. Instead, nothing changed, but unity prevailed and uh, awareness of role and title became and vulnerability became the centre and then everything improved. Takes courage not to change that, especially in this town. 100%. When it's a massive club like Richmond and the paper every day is, oh, gee. But yeah, and and I don't think it was like there was. I don't think there was a specific moment which it was just kind of like, yep, everything's going to be on the up and up. Because twenty seventeen was, I think, as much a surprise to us as it was everyone else. We just rode the wave mm. uh, towards the back end of the year, and then obviously eighteen we should have won, but Mason Cox. Ugh. Um, uh, and then like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, it was we knew the blueprint, we knew the pattern, and it was just rinse and repeat. Um, but it's, it, I think sometimes you need to believe and have heart and have conviction and sometimes get a little bit lucky too. Um, because I remember at the start of 2017, we lost a few games by like a kick. Mm-hmm. Like I think we lost to the dogs. We lost to GWS. We lost to Frio after the siren. Here we go. Last roll of the dice. Sandilands tries to get away. And we could have dropped our bundle then, but it just, it didn't matter. Like we kind of found this value in each other that it wasn't about the win or loss. It was about, okay, the system and, and yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining that really well, but. um, So tell me, tell me about, tell me something about the 2017 grand final day from your experience that I won't know. I've been to many grand finals. I have never heard noise quite like this. The Adelaide Crows are trying their best to drown out the Tiger fans, but I think we heard it when Richo was introduced there a moment ago. Just what sort of a roar here, what sort of support there is for Richmond today. Hey, Richo, you actually still alongside... I think if you um, like you compare the, t- you compare the two lead-ups... Like if you look at Adelaide and like I wasn't in, I don't, in, I'm not in their inner sanctum, and I, I just won't, I, I can have an opinion on that because I'm an outsider. But it just looked very clinical and very stiff. Just even like look at their the power the stance, power ranger stance that they were doing. Like it just looked very. Did you notice they were doing? Yeah. What did you think? Oh, it was hilarious. Right. <laughs> it was just like, what do you? That, that's the opposite of vulnerability. You're you're laying another shield of physicality and bravado on top of what you should be embracing, which is yes, we're a little bit nervous. Let's use that as a tool, not as a weakness. Right. So it's two very different approaches then. Yeah, and like hmm. we like laughed at silly things. Like I don't know if many people would know about, um, you know, the before the the day before. I think it is. When both teams line up at um, in sort of Brunton Ave in the the park and yep. and both captains hold the cup up yes. before the game, 
uh, the day before the game. So it was Tex was the captain at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, he so was. it was Tex and Koch that were holding the cup up. Yes. And as a laugh, Koch said like to us, he's like, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to be the last one to, <laughs> to hold on to the cup. So it was this awkward holding, like this holding of the cup. And, and Tex was sort of like, didn't know what to do. And we were all just like, this is so funny. Like, this is just like this backstory, which no one really knew. And then Koch, like, then sort of text kind of just like walked away. And I was like, yep, yeah, I won that one. Boys. Like, we're, we're one up already. Like, it was just sort of a weird, like, little, um, just like a side plot thing. Like, all these little things that were fun and funny rather than serious and critical um, that, that sort of fed into the, the wave that never really got on top of us. Knight, a high ball, Tex, good position, backing back Rance with a ripper. And Alex Rance has got the matchup on Jenkins, Asprey on Tex Walker, and that's what Rance is going to want to do all day, be able to come off Jenkins and make sure he ha- plays that intercept role like he does so well. Short to press yeah. And at what stage did you realise you were going to become the premiership team in the game? Um, it was when the siren went at the end. Right. Yeah. You were 40-odd points up. Yeah. So, so you were that focused on what you were doing? Yeah. I, I I just remember that it I never I was so process driven, I was so connected and um focused on structure and system and where players needed to be that I ran I I ran out of time. Like in my mind it ran out of time. Um, which was great because I never got nervous. I never got sort of ch- like ch- frozen up. Um but yeah, everyone asked like was it the Dan Butler goal or was it a um because that was that was probably the the, on paper, the time that mm. everyone should have been party time. Right foot banana, it's there. It's there from the boundary line. Look at the Tigers come from everywhere. Look at the coaches' box. Look at the fans. And look at Punt Road. But, yeah, it was when the siren went. The siren actually took me by surprise. And what was your emotion? Uh, relief. Um, rela- immediate relief. And then it was just kind of like just giddiness, just like running around like a child, just hugging everyone I could. Like you sort of – you don't know where to run, who to run to, what to do, what to like – what to wear. Like people are throwing scarves at you and the hats and all this kind of stuff. It's just – I do remember one part of it though because I remember and this goes I think back to the vulnerability and inclusion piece that because we were such a diverse group with very multicultural we had Ivan who was Croatian Mm. we had Basha who was um, sort of uh, Lebanese uh, with Muslim heritage as well so but I remember going back to Basha and I said to him you just make sure that you enjoy this day according to your standards and values. Like, don't feel like you need to be like because he doesn't drink alcohol. Mm. Like, don't feel like you need to even be holding a beer or near a beer or in a pub. Like, if if, if this you just do whatever you need to do, and everyone's going to understand. No one's going to be like, "Oh, where's Basha? He's such a killjoy." Mm. Like that was just the understanding and connection that we had as a group, where Basha could do his own thing, and we valued him and loved him for what he did. Um, you know, young boys, if they wanted to go crazy and, and do their thing, that was fine. Senior players might just sort of soak it in a bit more. It was just like whatever you want to do to fulfill your expectation of what the day should be, that's okay. 
Usman Khawaja came on this show recently and he talked about the brilliance and his love for Paddy Cummins as captain after they won the Ashes and they were all there and they started spraying the champagne and the skipper, Paddy, realised that he was off to the side because like Basha, he's a, a Muslim and doesn't believe in alcohol and Paddy said, stop boys, hang on, put the drinks down and got Usman over. So Usman was in the team photo and it's a similar thing. Like what that meant to Usman just sealed Paddy as a captain for him, full stop. Mm. So when you do your knee... And one of your teammates said you need to ask him about the year he did his knee and what he went through and what he did to come and play football again, which ultimately was unsuccessful. What did you put yourself through to come back and play? Um, it was described to me as phenomenal, mm, what you did to try and physically get back. Yeah, I um, – the selfish me, the proactive, dominant, physical part of me – is convinced I could have played on grand final day. The caring, loving, supportive person didn't want to take the risk that if I broke, we could lose the game. If 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 my knee did go, which is a chance, every like there's a higher probability of it happening, and we lost the game, I never could forgive myself that I I took that from everyone else. Mm. So that, again, there's the mm. there's the dilemma. Absolutely. And and Dimmer put it quite plainly that what do you want to do? How would you feel if that was the case? If the, if these are your two situations, play and like keeping in mind we've gotten here already without you, um, play and it's 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 you, it's about you um, or lose and lo- potentially lose it for everyone and I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't live with myself or live with the risk that I could have potentially taken that away from everyone. Um so, yeah, I I just went to work. As soon as I did my knee, I said I'm going to play in the grand final and and, and that's it. Um, and I was potentially maybe selfishly hoping that they might have needed me at that point. I remember Tyson Goldsack came back and played in the grand final, but that was pretty urgent circumstances. They needed him. Yes. They probably didn't need me um, as much. Um, so, yeah, I was running uh, weeks after surgery um, and – yeah, I, I pushed myself really hard to to get back, and I painful? never. Is it painful pushing yourself to come back from an ACL? Like it, physically painful? Yeah, it is, um, and it's very tiring because you have to like train your knee, and then it will blow up, and then you've got to recover it so that you can go again the next day. So it's like this extreme, just like push it as far as it'll go before it'll break, recover it, and then try and do that as many times as you can to try and get yourself back to a point of. Um, of, of fully right. Um, but then also, I also burdened myself with the, um, the cultural element that I still needed to be around, that I, I didn't just want to be this mope, this fly on the mm. wall that was never engaged. So I sort of went over, over the top and that made me even more tired. Um, yeah, because I, I knew how much everyone cared for me and so I wanted to put on this big performance that everything's okay, like I'm fine, when really I wasn't. Um, that was the only thing that I was, I felt like I was appreciated for was being proactive, physical and dominant on the field and I couldn't do that anymore. What is my value? Um, so yeah, I tried to work as hard as I could and try and motivate people in another way to validate my position in the, at the footy club. So distill it for me. What was the hardest moment? 
Um, the hardest moment, the hardest point. Um, the hardest point was probably the strain it put on other parts of my life. That it was um, that I had to work so much harder to get back to zero, to get back to neutral ground, that it just took a cost on everything else. Um, and it probably that's what probably led to. And as I was, I was going through that journey of like. Physical recovery, a mental, emotional recovery. Um, that's what probably led to my decision at the end of the year that I'm just like, I'm hiding myself and for, for what? Like to get back for a piece of tin? Like to get back so that if we win, the next year everyone's chasing us again? <laughs> like, And it, it became quite clear to me that my priorities were quite out of whack and the, and the, the amount of energy that I was expending for football was a bit out of kilter, a bit out of whack. Hold that thought for a minute when you decide to retire. Two questions before we get to that point. When it's announced uh, late August that the comeback's off, Alex Rance won't be playing for the rest of the season and you'd set yourself from day one to be playing grand final day. Jamie, how do you go about that extremely tough task of trying to fill the role of Alex Rance? Yeah, as we know, Alex is uh, is irreplaceable. Really, He's such a, an incredible talent. Uh, you know, once in a generation type full back. But you know, if we're looking to replace Alex with a, a single player, that's not going to happen. So, from our point of view, it's how did you cope with that? Like you've put everything, like you said, your heart and soul. You put the rest of your life on the back burner, for want of a better term. How did you cope with the failure of not being able to achieve it? Um. Yeah. Again, I just masked it. Just, just put a. Yep, everything's good, boys. Like you know, focus on you. Don't don't make it about me. Um, but yeah, it was hard. It was because I like because I th- I think I'd made up my mind at that stage already that I was going to retire at the end of the year, um, and I was just kind of like, it would be really nice just to get one more flag. Like it would be nice just to get one more thing. But I probably know now deep down that one would have never have been enough. Like it's like how much money is enough? Mm. More. That's what everyone always says. Like, how many how many flags? Look at Tom Brady. Like, you know, how, when's your when's your how much how many Super Bowls is enough? More. So it was almost, yeah. I think it would have been nice to have won the flag that year. And, you know, they could have played with sixteen that that game. Mm. Like, it was just an absolute rout. But, um, yeah, it was it was. I think at that point, I'd already I'd already come to the conclusion that it was. It was insignificant that whether I played or not. The Tigers are premiers for the 12th time in their history. How was it watching grand final day? It was hard. It was yeah. really hard. Um, yeah, I broke down after the game because one, I knew that that was it. That was the last. That was the last game. And two, it was the last sort of. It was. It felt really weird because I. St- I felt like a spectator. I felt like, which I was. Um, but I just felt really disconnected and I, I'd known the feeling of 2017 and I was just like, wow, this is, um, this is very, this is it. Like I'm, now I'm, I'm just, I'm not valuable anymore. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a, um, a weird feeling, but at the same time, again, the person on field is like jealous, envious, um, sad, <laughs> But then the other side of me, like the my grandma side, is like happy, ecstatic, like how good's this? Well done. Someone else, proud. Has, someone else has got a game because you didn't. Yeah, 
and I didn't risk anything. Like, but and again, these two people are just warring constantly, um, and you feel bad, like you feel guilty for feeling this way. So it's just it, it it was a challenging time, and like it was it was I think challenging all the way through, like the all the celebrations and all that kind of stuff as well. It was just kind of like. Yeah, a, a, a constant warring of emotions, which I'm, I'm glad I'm sort of out of now. Back to Ranty in a tick. Footy of a different code now. Legendary, and I mean legendary league broadcaster Ray Rabs Warren retired recently. He featured on the show back in episode 54. Rabs is one of the great storytellers. Most embarrassing thing that ever happened is <laughs> they, uh, they'd gone halfway in a mile race at Gosford. Yeah. Uh, when I came up to the broadcast box, the chief steward said, where have you been? I said, I said, having a punt. He said, well, he said, they're gone halfway in a mile race, you fool. <laughs> and uh, I, I stumbled around and I, I tapped the microphone, you know, I went like that. So I said, check, 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 <laughs> check. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, they're gone halfway here. I said, um, I'll try and call the race, but I don't know the colours. That's Ray Warren back on episode 54. Go check it out. Back to Alex. So you described it as, you know, it became rinse and repeat, 19 and 20. That's how you described it, rinse and repeat. How difficult is it to walk away from the rinse and repeat because, you know, you kept playing, you're going to win another premiership. Like all things being equal, you're a two-time premiership player. Mm. If you didn't walk away, um, there could still be more to come. You'd still be going. But is that just by the by because of the journey you've described? There's no – like you had to watch another one where your mates won the premiership. Mm. The champions have been able to do what only the toughest and strongest could do in 2020. The Tigers again. But were you just done with it by then? That's Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I was. I, you never. What do they say? And an alcoholic's always an alcoholic. Mm. Like you, you never, you never. Even when you're sober, um, football was my love, like my passion. It's it never. Even when I watch it now, I'm like, man, I wish I was out there. But I, I now know the cost. I now know that, those what it, two competing yeah. parts of your person. Uh, yeah, the the emotional cost. That's those two competing people. Yeah. But also the time cost and the physical cost and all that kind of stuff. And I see, I feel like I would have stayed in a negative place had I just removed football from my life and then just try like and not replaced it with anything better. But I, when I identified that what was football taking the place of, it was taking the place of quality time with my family and it was taking away from me having a sort of a deeper understanding of the Bible and a, a deeper connection with God, that those were the two things that now just had to fill the place. And I've found so much more consistent and uh, reliable uh, peace and happiness from filling my life with those two things than the extreme highs of a grand final win. Completely random question from left field. When did you realise that Dustin Martin could potentially become Dustin Martin. Martin to put pressure. Still with Martin. Can he kick a fourth? Oh, he has. The winner of the 2017 Norm Smith medal. 
is Dustin Martin from the Richmond Football Club. Is number four again, Dustin Martin. And the winner of the Norm Smith medal, Dustin Martin. Uh, like three training sessions into the winning foot came to the footy club. Like, really? I remember sitting in the physio room and there were stoppages happening on the other side of the oval, so towards where the big screen is, like in on the corner, and uh, and. He just did this, like, he just dominated this stoppage. He's like 18 and he just, like, made everyone look like a child. <laughs> and there's, like, senior players there that would have been playing for years and he's just, like, dominating. I'm like, man, this kid is going to be amazing. Um, and, yeah, so I say a kid, he's only a few years younger than me. But, um, yeah, I think, it, but then it was, like, probably, yeah, he really shifted a cog being, because he was sort of a little bit, um, like bigger, so he couldn't run in the midfield the whole time. Um, but then, yeah, once he moved into the midfield and had that tank after probably three or four years, it was just like, this guy's the best. Yeah, well, he's, a, he's a freak, isn't he? Uh, you mm. mentioned a couple of times um, your religion and your faith, Jehovah's Witness. I know very little about faith, and I, but what I do understand is it's deeply personal and individual to each person. Can you tell me, and I'm asking you to summarize something briefly, which is a long discussion, but can you tell me the central tenant of what being a Jehovah's Witness is? Like, okay, from my ignorance, I know that the Williams sisters are Jehovah's Witnesses. I know that you're a Jehovah's Witness. I know occasionally you get a knock on the door from a Jehovah's Witness, but religion's not a part of my life Mm. and peace and love for everybody that is. But that's my my only uh, understanding of what, a Jehovah's Witness is. So what's the central tenant of your life if you're a Jehovah's Witness? Um, it's basically to, uh, and I, like I want to preface this with, yep. I'm not the spokesman for Jehovah's Witnesses and um, like you said, it is a very personal thing, but the, the central, um, the, the two greatest commands in the Bible are to, to love God and love your neighbor. And so obviously to do that, it's it can't be done in any old fashion either. It needs to be done um, in a certain way. And so basically being a Jehovah's Witness is trying to live your life in accordance with what the Bible says, um, which we believe is is God's word. So it's, um, yeah, just, just really trying to love God, which, and, and we believe God's name is Jehovah, hence Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so, you know, being a witness of that person. So think about if you're a, um, in a court case, if someone's your witness, like a character witness, yes, right. Um, you're advocating okay. for that person or, or saying that, you know, I believe this person is innocent or a good person or something like that. So yeah, to, I, did, I didn't know that. So to be a Jehovah's Witness, it's basically to, to live your life in a way which is in accordance with Jehovah's standards uh, according to the Bible. And like not everyone gets it right. Like we're not perfect, but it's about the, the pursuit of, of doing it better. And, and and sticking to a common a common rule set, so that is my rudder. That's my central core. That if I have anything in my life that's not going great, refer back to that, and then I'm going to go from there. Rather than potentially going down a rabbit hole of opinions, mm. which brings you no closer to a, a, a resolution. So, what does the spiritual side of your life bring to you day to day? Stability. Stability. Yeah, because um, we're emotional beings um, and peace also gives me peace 
um, because sometimes we can think up the worst scenario and it rarely happens. But um, I think also knowing that I've, I've, I'm not guessing anymore about what's right and what's wrong. If I'm looking to the Bible and I've, I've done my research, I look at, okay, for this situation, what are the key principles that I need to look at? Then it's like, okay, sweet. I've looked at that. Then that gives me peace. I've done what God's asked me to do according to the Bible. Then that's it. Um, so that gives me peace and then it also gives me stability and that I have a reference point to always come back to. Have you ever knocked on doors? Yeah. I do. I, I, I probably still would now if we were allowed to with COVID. But, right. Mm. Can you tell me what that situation is like when, when someone opens the door and it's good luck to everybody out there that is knocking on your door to talk to you about religion or how to get money off your gas bill or the new internet deal. I can't imagine there are many harder circumstances because people knocking on your door that you don't know, you're not going out typically and embracing. You're starting (laughs) at minus 100 Mm. and it's your job in the space. It's like interviewing someone that Mm. you don't know. You've got a very short time through physical presence, smiling, I don't know, to enable them to talk to you. How do you go when you knock on it? Like, do you get nervous when you like knock on a dude's door and that you don't know and they open it up and say, I don't know what you say? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because it's... Um, Can't be easy. No, and it is a little bit like your home is your, your sanctuary, your safe yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and you don't want anyone invading on that. Like, But it's also a sign of like things changing. Like I remember um, when I even when I was younger, and that's not too long ago, so it's only maybe like, 25, 30 years ago, people would just pop over out of nowhere. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Like, you know, bring a beer or bring, a, you know, a doesn't cake happen. or something. Like, it doesn't really happen anymore. No. Coming, we're becoming far and more, far. You get a bit of a isolated. shock when you're not expecting someone yeah. and you get a knock on your door. Yeah. You keep them at the door, don't you? Yeah. You just go you're like, like, what's going on what here? Do you want? Okay, bye. So, how, how do you deal with that? So, um, it comes back to purpose. Like, and, and this is why I think, like, um, if, if I believe that I had the cure to cancer, I would drop everything to try and get it into as many people's hands as I could. It's a very good description, Alex. It's a very good description. Like, and it's so, a good analogy. And you would, you would knock on everyone's door. You, yes. would, you would be screaming it from the rooftops. Okay. And you would, be, you would be, please let me have a chance to tell you about this. I think it's amazing. I think it can... Has, do you know anyone else who has cancer? Because like, I want to try and fix them. Okay. So if you had that same conviction with something that's like, I feel like this can save your life. I feel like this can give you stability. I feel like this can give you peace. That overrides nervousness and the fear of someone like, I don't care what you I don't care what you're selling. Like, I'm actually not selling anything. Like, I'm I'm trying to help in some way if I can. May not be for you, it may not, but all I'm asking is for an open mind. Cause if you if you fundamentally believe that it's gonna help people you're far more likely to do things which are uncomfortable. It must have happened. We've had some serious topics here. It's just lighting up a bit. You must have knocked on the door of a Richmond supporter. Plenty. And they must just go, I don't care what you're about, come into my house. Like, <laughs> this is the reverse. This is the five-time All-Australian, chiselled out of granite, the premiership player. There must have been dudes and dudettes that said, Rancy, come in, big boy. <laughs> Yeah, I got a couple of uh, my memberships paid up. I don't, I like, well, I don't know what you're here for, and like a bit of a bit of shock. But it was good to like also 
put a like a <laughs> a chill face around what I was there to yes. talk about as well. Like it's a point of connection that like everyone thinks religion is quite a taboo subject to it's talk a, about. It, I found it a difficult thing to ask you about. Yeah. When really it's it should be like, you know, what do you think happens to us when we die? Like how did we get here? Like why are those questions so taboo and how can we get to a point of making it a bit more acceptable to talk about that? But, um, yeah, it's definitely like it, the, the the guard does come up after the I've paid my membership like, oh, what do you think we're going to do on the weekend? What's happening? Oh, you know, where do you, where do you think this person's going to play? Like, oh, by the way, what are you here for? I'm like, so have you heard about the Bible? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no. Anyway, see you later, mate. Have a good one. Yeah, all the best for the weekend. <laughs> mate, um, I, I've taken up enough of your time. We, we, we've wandered through all sorts of areas. I, I, I made some notes. Um, but before we finish, though, there's something um, um, I've covered off. How have we gone, do you reckon? How have we gone at summarising you as a person? Because as I said, I had no mm. idea at the start how really to approach this. I came in here with no idea of what I wanted to talk about either. Right. I know I wanted to talk about the academy and I wanted to bring awareness to education and things like that. Which but hopefully we've done. Yeah, yeah, for, I, yeah, for sure. I hope um, people will think about the academy and their son's education and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I think I want to, and this has been a little bit um, therapeutic in some ways to me to talk again about who I am and um, why I value the things that I value and that I'm not I'm not scared to share my story. I think that was potentially the narrative that came after I retired. Is yes. it just like, shut up shop, there's something wrong, don't talk to me about anything, you're a private person now. Um, when I am quite open, but I just didn't feel like talking about it then. Well, I'm, um, glad, I'm glad you've decided to have a chat with me about it. Um, I'll lighten things right up for you now. Frequent listeners to this show... And you'll know this because I know you've listened to at least 100 episodes of the podcast, Ranty, so you'll, you'll know what's coming your way. I have two children, Mac and Sky. Now, Mac operates under the nickname the Big Penguin. He's 10. Sky is the pickle. She's 12. We normally have a discussion the night before, and whoever's most engaged with that guest, ask them a question. You get, I hope I've labeled this correctly because I thought I'd label it, so I could be playing you anything here. I could be playing you me trying to play the guitar and listening back. So hopefully that's not the case. I believe you're about to hear the question from my 10-year-old, the Big Penguin. Hey, Alex, Big Penguin here. First off, I've heard of your, some of your books and they sound really good. Anyway, I really like reading. Like, I really like it. I read about two or three books a week, which is a bit of a problem, which is why I need you to write a book about a guy who wants to play cricket for Australia really likes footy, so he might play footy in the off-season, goes fishing a lot, has a big boat, and loves travelling. Do you think you could do that? So you are a published author with Tiger's Roar, <laughs> Rabbit's Hop, and Monkey's Tail. And as soon as I discuss these books with him, he's like, right, I think you should write a book about this. Right. Can you bring all those themes into a motivational, uplifting tale? I The... Absolutely, and I, you know, you know what I think is get that the, the that story is going to come from. That is Jeremy Cameron. It could be Jeremy Cameron. Could he play cricket, Jeremy Cameron? I'm sure he probably could. Probably He's can. good at everything else. He loves fishing. He loves, loves travelling. Loves footy. Right. So 
Okay, so you might need to base it around the life and times of Jeremy Cameron. Yeah. Okay. The Jeremy Diaries. The Jeremy Diaries. Yeah. Well, that's a task for you. The big, the big penguin. Thanks for the question. Yeah. That's a, that's a, do you want a, a little insight into one of my uh, one of my books? Please do. That, uh, is unpublished. Oh, unpublished. Unpublished. Ah, so, now we're talking. Title? Uh, still working on it. Okay. Sacked spuds or sacked potatoes. Right. So um, it's ba- it's based around the story. Actually, we'll preface this. We'll whet your appetites. For yes. It. So, so th- this is going to be released at some stage. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Someone so can take it. So this is a potential. Really we don't typically deal in exclusives on this show. But this is an exclusive. An yeah. exclusive in the literary world. Yeah. If someone wants to take it, they can take it. Okay. Um. Uh. So you, have you ever, you know, a roast potato? Yes. You can sort of feel on the outside, probably ready to eat. Yes. You eat it. What happens? Well, it depends how we've cooked it. It's often not cooked. Or? I don't know. Stifling hot. Oh, too hot. Too hot. Too hot. Too hot. Too so hot. that's the thing with, with potatoes. You very rarely know. It's either hard as a rock, you've never cooked it, or it's lava and it just gets blisters in the inside of your mouth. Burn your face off. Exactly. So what the story is, it's about potatoes being sacked as a food because they're too hard to work with. So he has to then, so the food court yeah. comes in and says, sorry, mate. You're not allowed to be a potato anymore, and oh. so he then goes on a on a journey of of discovery to find what he can do. So he tried to be a golf ball, smashed to bits, couldn't do it, too soft. <laughs> he tried to be a hot water bottle, no good, too hard in bed. Uh, and then what was another one that he had to do? Oh, play-doh, because he was all he was after he was smashed to bits. He sort of pulled himself together, and he's uh, he's tried to put himself as mash, uh, as uh, play-doh. Uh, now the kids kept eating him. So then they're like, oh, hang on. Maybe you could just be mashed potato instead. So that was the full circle where he gets rehired by the food court to be mashed potato only. Where, where does this come from in your brain? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. I think it's a good one because the kids are listening now. They're trying to process that. We always finish this show, Rancy, with the same question. For all the youngsters out there, I always say this, so people must get sick of me saying this 156 times. Now, we are very lucky to have a large audience of young people that listen to this podcast, some really young, often with their parents on the way to footy training or to chemistry class or to soccer or to clarinet. We always try and finish this way. From your experiences in life, someone that has achieved success on the sporting field but also, I think, an even greater success, the fact you've built a school, which in the academy I find quite unbelievable, especially in the constraints of the modern education system. What advice would you give to those youngsters out there that have stars in their eyes and want to achieve their dreams? Hardest um, question. Hardest question in the podcast because it's the most weighty and it's the most it important answer. So yeah, don't stuff it up. All right. Nancy. No worries. Okay. Yeah, you're just a really, uh, what am I going to do with this one? Um, I think. The most important thing is understanding your value, understanding your strength, um, and don't let other people put their ideas of what should make you successful. Mm. Um, what do you love doing? And just be good at that. Um, yeah, because I think potentially maybe I, I thought that what made me loved and accepted was being a competitive beast when maybe that was something I was good at and okay, but it wasn't necessarily what I loved doing. So find your strength, find your, find your passion, find what you love doing. Do that as much as you can and make it a strength. Great answer to a great podcast. As I said, I was a bit concerned about where this would go. Mate, I appreciate your openness. I appreciate your honesty. Good luck with the Academy. Um, 
people, if they want to get involved with the website? Yep, pretty simple. Just uh, theacademy.com.au and then athlete.academy.com.au is the academy. We probably didn't go into the athlete side of it, but that's more a specific training regime, yeah? Yeah, so testing, training, and uh, test, train, succeed is the um, the, the tagline that's it's creating a, a more of a, a measurable start point for us to, to be able to uh, train from. So we've, we redesigned the draft combine to, to involve 13 different tests, which are uh, gym, track, and football-based. So it's the foundation of what makes up a good footballer. So um, 13 different tests, which measure like your speed, power, endurance, agility, kicking, marking, handballing, all those types of things, and then programs off the back of those. So, um, How old do you need to be? Uh, so there's a, a test and train, which is sort of 13 to 15, 16, and then 16 and up is, is more sort of that you know professional testing uh, and then into, into programs as well. Thank you for opening my mind to lots of things that I hadn't considered before. I appreciated the chat. Go well. Love you to see you. And that beautiful smile has made me smile the whole time, Renzi. Thanks, Harry. Well done. Fascinating. A fascinating man is Alex Rance. I reckon his school, the academy, is going to grow and grow and grow. Good on Alex for having a crack and not being afraid to speak openly about his passions. Thanks to Ella Wheeler from the academy for making this all happen. And to you, yes, you for listening. Until next Thursday with someone, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.